Uh, hello and welcome to the latest episode of View from the Loch. Uh, my guest today uh, started his career uh, in football at Balmaini United, uh, moved to uh, Reading, and then unfortunately injury forced him to retire at the age of, of 20. However, remained at Reading as a coach, then became academy director went over to Spain to learn a bit more about the trade and was then invited by Jose Mourinho to join Chelsea's youth manager, promoted to reserve manager, and then the big break came when appointed manager of Watford. Uh, then came 360-degree circle back to managing Reading, led Swansea to the Premier League and on to the mighty Liverpool Football Club followed by, which must have been a dream, uh, managing his boyhood team, which was Celtic, Glasgow Celtic. And then on to Leicester City, winning the FA Cup in 2021, as well as a plethora of other trophies with some of the teams mentioned. Welcome to View from the Lock, Brendan Rogers. Bill, thank you very much. A very kind introduction. I mean, when you think about everything you've achieved, Brendan, you know, it must be bloody satisfying, uh, you know, as a young guy uh, from Northern Ireland, like myself, mm. and uh, stepping into the world of sport, and then, I guess, experiencing everything you've experienced. Yeah, I've been very privileged and lucky in my life, Bill, like you say, from a, a little fishing village along the Antrim coast and in Carnlough, which will always be, be home for me. Um, to it's it's what I always wanted to do. I, I love sport. I enjoyed academic work, but but nothing more than than being involved in sport and football. Uh, so to then have the chance to 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 work in football virtually since I've left school, and to be able to travel to the countries around the world that I have through football and then get paid for it is is just um, it's been a real real privilege. So. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a lucky guy. Yeah, well, I mean, you you mentioned Carnock, Brendan, and we would know County Antrim, a uh, beautiful little village. Uh, County Antrim has is festooned with glorious golf courses. So is that where you learnt the game of golf? Yeah, do you know what, Bill? I actually never played golf up until. Uh, my early 20s, believe it or not. And the reason being, I, I was, listen, but we never had golf clubs in our family. You know, I mean, my father right. never played. We, we were never sort of from a golfing family. But I, I grew up in the era of, you remember that, you know, Ronan uh, Rafferty and Darren Clark. So I was always aware of these guys coming through, but never, ever actually got to, to play golf until I moved to England later on in life where I, I then was able to buy myself a, a set of golf clubs. But I drove past Cairndu Golf Club many a times, Royal Port Rush, yeah, going down right. to Barry's Amusements and everything else. So I was obviously aware. It was a game I wanted to play and and um, and obviously didn't get the chance, though, when I was younger. But certainly I tried to make up for it, uh, moving into adulthood and, uh, yeah, uh, playing those courses. I, I mean, you mentioned... When you mentioned in your 20s, was that the time around Reading uh, and was mm. it golf courses around, around that particular area? Yeah, well, I was very lucky because uh, obviously when I had to stop playing, 
and and realised I wasn't going to be, you know, a, a football player, which is what I dreamed of all my all my life. I knew I needed something else. Uh, so running alongside learning to be a coach, I needed another sport, and uh, and of course golf. I was able to, like I said, get my own clubs then and and have a go, and found that from the first decent shot I hit, I had the bug then, and. Um, but around that area, if you think of of uh, Sunningdale, Wentworth, mm. all mm-hmm. around that area is, um, as I said, there's some fantastic courses. So, um, but I actually, um, when I was learning to be a coach, and when I was working for the John Lewis Partnership, they had a course in Maidenhead mm. called Winter Hill. It was called, and that was really where I learned the nuts and bolts of of golf with some of my friends and who were really good golfers. And, um, but yeah, so that was a, a sort of brief history of it. Not so much when I was younger, but certainly when I, when I was quitting football around the early twenties, that's when it really, really hit me the goal. Did, did you find yourself very competitive with golf? It can be terribly frustrating game, uh, as we know, mm. but were you competitive? or did you use it to switch off from the football? Yeah, I think initially at the beginning, it's just about hitting the ball, isn't it? And and, and trying to hit it more than 50 yards. I think that was initially, I I was in certainly no way level to compete when I first started out. But I I feel like I had a natural sort of instinct for for that sort of eyeball contact. So, uh, but yeah, then once I... Once I then started to be able to to hit it well enough to at least compete, then I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I couldn't say I was taking it so seriously, but I love to uh, yeah have something on it, and that's the competitive nature. Yes, I, I guess it is. And was there anything, uh, you know, when you're playing golf, is it your putting, is it your driving, iron play? Is there anything in particular that you think you're better at? Is there any aspect of the game? I think when I'm playing regular, Bill, the, the problem for me is, as such, I don't get the chance to play a great deal. And what it is, believe it or not, I'm cack-handed. So, aye, oh. aye, I'm cack-handed. And so basically, when I just started to play golf, I I picked up with no lessons. I just was just natural. I just held it, the, the what was natural to me. And I hit, I was hitting the ball and, and whatever, and then I was going back to having been playing for just over a year, once I'd played in my early 20s, play, just playing over a year. I was going back to a society day, and this was going to be my first time ever playing back in Northern Ireland at, at Cairndew Golf Club along the uh, between Larne and, yes. and Cornwall. So yeah. I, was going, uh, I was going back, but, but a couple of weeks before I was going back, I started to like slice it. So I ended up, I booked a lesson, my very first ever lesson. And, uh, and the, 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 the professional at the time, he says, as they do, go on, just hit a bucket of balls, let me see you. So I hit the bucket of balls, yeah. and in the, in the bucket of balls, I wasn't too bad, actually. I was hitting it okay. And then he said, right, okay, what is it you want to do? I said, listen, I just really want to enjoy playing. And uh, he said, well, look, listen, if you're thinking about switching, you're back to your normal grip. If you're going to be a professional, then I would recommend that that's what you do. 
But if you want to play to a really good level, and you maybe not going to be a professional, stay the way you are because you hit the ball really well. And uh, so from that day, I just kept my natural swing. I drive it quite well uh, when I'm playing regular and, and my putting and chipping, I've got a nice feel for it at times when I'm playing regular, but, uh, but when I'm not, it's awful. <laughs> I think we could all subscribe to that, Brendan. Um, so, yes, I guess through, through your career, were you a manager that encouraged players to play golf? I've spoken with managers and ex-managers as well who weren't that keen and others that were that said, yeah, it was good for the guys and the lads to go and play a game of golf. Did you encourage it? Was it something that was, was part of your sort of management sort of style? Yeah, I just think it's like anything in life, it's all about timing. Well, I think if, if a player's thinking of go, about going out and walking rounds of golf on a Thursday and Friday and they've got a game on a Saturday, then that's not going to help them uh, just from yeah. an energy perspective and the risk of of injury, you know, you twist a knee and, you mm -hmm. know, I, I'd once... Uh, a player of mine, uh, Alan Tate, who's actually now the assistant manager at Nottingham Forest. Well, yeah. Alan, Alan, when I was manager at Swansea City, at the end of the season, uh, when we got promoted to the Premier League, he actually uh, was out on the golf course, he had a few drinks in him, and crashed the golf oh. course, and uh, crashed the buggy and broke his leg. Oh, so, jeez. So at the start of the season, going into our very first Premier League uh, season at Swansea City, he actually couldn't play for the first few months because he'd broken his leg at the end of the season. So, in terms of, uh, in terms of, I encourage it at the right time, but of course, being safe and sensible on the on the course. And uh, but I think it's a great outlet socially. It's amazing, and, and like I say. Yeah. It, uh, it, it can be good for the players, of course, but all at the right time. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course, and I, I, and I get that, uh, absolutely. And was there any uh, any of the chairmen that you, you played golf with? Um, I can tell you a wee story about one of them, but uh, can you, you know, it, it, was there any sort of regular games of golf with, with any of the chairmen that, uh, you know, of the clubs that you managed? Well, I, I haven't actually, I didn't play with Dermot, as you'll know, Dermot yeah. is, a, uh, is a very keen golfer, um, which I knew, but I didn't actually play with him. But I did play with Kuntop, the Leicester uh, uh, chairman, and he's a very good golfer. He, he's a very good golfer, but okay. sometimes he has these peculiar rules, which are actually quite funny. So he, he'll have a round of golf and, and be really good, but then he likes to enjoy his golf. So he has these conditions where if you're if you're playing the 18 you uh, you have one bunker shot of which you can throw the ball out of the bunker and uh, he calls it the hand wedge so uh, so you have a mulligan and you have a hand wedge and uh, he has another rule where it, it's it's actually great crack you know whenever you're doing it because um, You've got one. Yeah. You've also got uh, one opportunity on the round where, if a guy's driving or punting, as he's about to putt, hmm. you can shout behind him and make a real loud noise to put him off. 
So they, I think they're all things yeah. to try and uh, make it fun. But uh, but yeah, he, he he was good fun playing with Kuntop. And Andy is a he's a very good golfer. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, that's amazing to hear these things. I don't I've never think heard we'll be that doing that before. at Loch Lomond, Bill. <laughs> no, no, I think, well, I mean, you might be surprised, Brendan. Some of the boys knocking about might come up yeah. with some strange and wonderful uh, yeah. uh, rules. You know, that, that's yeah. for sure. Um, so, that well, the story that, that Dermot, you mentioned, and Dermot mm. played about 11 o'clock uh, every, every Saturday at, at the K Club. And uh, he was a, uh, a very, uh, a very, like, he hated slow play. Oh my God, he mm. hated slow play. So you need to, you needed to put a ranger out to make sure <laughs> that the traffic in front. Uh, and, you know, Dermot would come in and he would congratulate you on the fact that uh, he got round in a, a certain, you know, period of time. But he played, he always played with the same two people. And one was a guy called Jerry O'Connor who uh, owned a garage, and the other one was a chap called Matt Doyle. Now, Matt was a suave, tall guy, originally from California. Um, and I remember, you know, he's quite a personality, the K-Club. Mm. And uh, I said to Matt, if you don't mind me asking, Matt, how did you come to stay and live in, in Ireland? Uh, and he said, and I wasn't expecting this, and I knew he had a tennis connection, but he said, quite simply, uh, it was a time where it was a Davis Cup and literally uh, any team could get or any country could get chosen against any other country. I don't think there was any sort of, uh, you know, rules or regulations. You all went into the hat type of thing. And, it, of course, it used to be like that in the European Cup. I mean, the likes of, you know, Cliftonville could have got Real Madrid or Glen Torn could have got Manchester United. And you kind of miss, I certainly miss those, those sort of days, I have to be mm. honest. Uh, and I think quite a few other people probably would as well. But anyway, uh, Ireland in the Davis Cup drew USA. So Ireland had a guy called Sean Sorensen, who was about 220th in the world. Uh, and the United States Davis Cup team was two people you might have heard of, McEnroe and Connors. Mm -hmm. so, uh, Ireland, yeah. <laughs> so Ireland's next best tennis player was something like 500 and something in the world and they thought what are we going to do about this it's being played in dublin it's a big deal so of course um took the old let's go down the top 150 players in the world and see if there's anybody that has an irish name and they went down to 65 and there's a guy called doyle matt doyle so they phoned him so this is matt telling me the story so they phoned him and they said Hi, this is the Irish Tennis Association. We've just drawn the USA in the Davis Cup. Do you have any ancestry, Irish ancestry? And he said, I don't really know. I think maybe I've heard Cork, never been to Ireland, but I think, I think originally Cork. And they said, right, that's good enough for us. So <laughs> they said, would you play for Ireland? They said, yes, I will. I'll come over and do it. He said, well, at the end of the day, I was playing at a good level. And this was increasing, I guess, uh, you know, you know, my name and putting my name out there maybe to, yeah, to another uh, uh, country that, I, you know, I have no connection with really. So anyway, uh, he lost 6-3, 6-2, 6-2, I think, 
Um, I think it was similar, both matches. But anyway, Ireland sort of lost 5-0, as you'd expect. But he went down. He was a great success. And, of course, you've now got this Californian guy with a shock of black hair. He's very tall, six foot four, about, walking about Dublin. He became a celebrity. And he never went home. <laughs> he, he never went home. And, wow. uh, um, yeah, he, he, he managed, uh, he, he coached Edberg, Stefan Edberg. So he did remain and, and, and sort of coached at, coached at a high level. But I couldn't believe the story. I, I could, oh, just one of those stories that you just wouldn't wouldn't believe, and uh, and Dermot would have played with Jerry and, and Matt without fail uh, every right. Saturday. I, I'm not sure if he still does, but that was certainly in my four years he didn't miss um, that eleven o'clock slot. Anyway, so these are the things, Brendan, you come across, I, I guess, in the wonderful world of, of golf. Uh, but yeah, Brendan's are um, uh, Dermot's a very very keen golfer. There's no doubt about that. So Loch Lomond. Brendan, for mm. you, um, the beautiful and wonderful Charlotte, and you got married at Loch Lomond, which was a fantastic mm. day, and the weather was great. Uh, so it obviously has that sort of connection. But what else does Loch Lomond have for you, Brendan, that you enjoy so much about the club? I think before when I moved up to, to Glasgow, uh, Bill, I, I was obviously fully aware of the, the prestige around Loch Lomond Golf Club and oh. and when I was invited there on a visit by the good friends of ours, Stephen and Caroline, uh, yes. As soon as we came through the gates, it just it, it felt like heaven. So when we went in there, just the just the service, everything, it was absolutely amazing. And I said to I said to Stephen, how is there any way in which I could join here because it is just absolutely. Amazing. I'd never been a member of any other golf club. I've played in places, but I've never felt that draw to want to become mm. a member. So, um, and then I think we were then invited up as guests, Charlotte and I, to, to have a look around and everything else. And from that there, we just fell in love with it. Like you say, just arriving at the uh, at the clubhouse, spikes, everything, just how relaxed it is and but the quality of service and everything is, is first class. We've we've been in the spa. We absolutely love it there. Whether it's the gym or the facilities there that we, we use. Yeah. We've obviously stayed yeah. in the houses uh, there when I brought up teams and and uh, various people to be there. But I think it's like anything in life. It's all about the the environment. It's all about the people. And oh. you're we're we're blessed to have a, an amazing course where the the ground staff do incredible to keep it in the, the state that it's in you have the views but ultimately it wouldn't mean anything if the people weren't so nice because you can go into these types of places and uh, if the people are you know just not friendly at all or not you know they're not welcoming then it it, it can be totally different but i have to say going to Loch Lomond it, it really is a dream for us. The minute we come through the gates, we both just have this big, deep sigh of satisfaction and, and relief. It's, it's just amazing. Oh, Brian, it's very kind. I, th I think the whole idea is the home from home element. Mm. 
the team and the staff, you know, are tremendous. They work hard, and but they do care. I think they, you know, they really care. Uh, don't always get it right. Nobody does in life, but uh, you know, they they kind of own it, uh, and that's mm. all that you can ask for, really, as a general manager, uh, is that as you have people who I guess would run through brick walls, kind of thing, and they would. Uh, and, and they're a tremendous, tremendous team. So it's very kind of you to, to say that uh, and, and thank you. And I know you enjoy it. Um, do you get invited or have you been invited, Brendan, to pro-ams? And is there any, is it something you think, yeah, quite fancy playing with a, with a pro and, and whatever? Or is it something that's just not passed your way? Yeah, I, I have been offered a few times, Bill, but there's always been in a time when there's been football so i've never actually played in any to be honest uh, i enjoy watching them and, and they look like pressure situations themselves you know especially when you're playing for uh, with a pro but uh, but no i haven't uh, i haven't had that uh, good fortune yet but um, but maybe maybe one day in the future if i can get playing regular and at least hit it yeah. halfway straight then i would love that opportunity and if you had anybody that you could play with if you had a pro uh, that you could choose, who would it be? Rory McIlroy. <laughs> Good man. Uh, uh, Rory is uh, now he's been an incredible uh, player and, and a real ambassador for Northern Ireland golf and, and as well as the world of golf for a numbers of years. So to see a young guy from just outside of Belfast and Hollywood play the way he does and be an absolute superstar in the game. And uh, and obviously I've met him as well. He's he's a real good man, and yeah, mm. he would uh, he'd be fantastic. He wouldn't be able to help me, I'm pretty sure, with with my cack hand. But I think the likes of him, I've um, you know I've loved loved watching him, and of course you know Tiger was just amazing, wasn't he? And, and he's hated yeah. so, um, But I think Rory, I would uh, yeah, he'd be great to play with. Yeah, I mean they say what they say. We talk to caddies or or you know people in the know. They say it's just the way it pings, just pings off his club. It's a sign that it makes. It's so pure. I think that um, there was a caddy in uh, the locker room at Loch Lomond, uh, and I'm trying to remember who it was, but that's irrelevant. Uh, and he said there was only two people, in his opinion, he'd, he'd been canning for quite a while, mm. that he heard that sound, that pure sound. He said McElroy and, and uh, DJ, you know, Johnson. He said they're the two that, that make literally you turn round to see, wow, how did that happen? Well, that sound is just so pure. Uh, and I guess that, it's it really is. It's interesting because. You see, from a football context, mm. there was, I never had anyone hit a ball like Steven Gerrard. And all the time I was right. coaching how he, you know, because technique is technique, like you say in golf and how people swing, and there's lots of great golfers. But as you say, the caddies are saying there's only two people, there's been a noise, which mm. is different. And it's just the pureness mm. of the technique. Stephen was like that in a football aspect. I'd worked with many great technicians and lots of great players. But mm. when he hit a ball, there was a different noise of it to anyone else. So, and, and that's normally those elite players, the, the, the very, very best at their, uh, in their profession. Yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. And of course, he, he hit the ball like a bullet. Um, mm. And he, he actually said that you were 
the best one-on-one man manager that he's come across um you know and, and that's fantastic praise from a fantastic guy and a great player and manager as well uh, and and does that mean would that mean a lot to you brendan that sort of praise uh, or or is that just all part come with all the kerfuffle that you get with with football well, i think it's Stephen is an outstanding player and he was a great captain for me and i've always prided myself on on being honest with players and and speaking to players and being open with them so um but like in anything you you, you know for for a lot of players that will that will feel good that they can speak openly with the manager and and whatnot and then you deal with certain situations the way you would and people respect the honesty there's some that won't um but that's the game you, you can never please everyone that's you know from a football management perspective and and probably likewise for yourself bill there's, there's you know you'll always endeavor to do your very very best for everyone but you know that you probably won't keep absolutely everyone happy in uh, in the organization mm. and that but that's life so i don't lose sleep over that yeah you know i, I don't lose sleep yeah. over it. i know i'm doing my best i'll always give my best and, and hopefully my best is enough yeah it's interesting you know you're right um i, I think that what kind of people forget is that people have lives outside of sport. So no matter what sport they're playing, if it's golf or football or cricket or tennis, you know, they, they have home lives and, and things happen and things make people unhappy in life or, or happy. Um, it doesn't mean it's the, it, it within the bubble of the sport. You know, it can affect people. People can be affected by all sorts. And of course, COVID was an exceptionally difficult time to manage any club uh, anywhere uh, because you're dealing with um, not only uh, the fact that you're, you're, you're dealing with, with staff and people who work for you uh, or play for you uh, in, in, a, in a normal sense with all the things that go with that, but mm-hmm. you've got mental health, you've got illness, you've got family illness. You had, uh, my God, it was it was brutally difficult um the staff here were absolutely fantastic and you know there were there were some terrible things that happened to people and you know they 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 stood up and wanted to do their best for Loch Lomond Golf Club but you know it was an incredibly difficult time and and I can only imagine you know in, in football well I suppose to put it another way Brendan, Gary McAllister told me this uh, one day, and and it, it was I'm a Leeds United fan, so he was he was managing Leeds at the time, uh, and um, he they were in a tour of Ireland, and uh, he said, Bill, this is the way you have to look at it. You have seven people. So say you have a squad of twenty one. You have seven people who really enjoy football. They really enjoy it. They're good at it. They enjoy it. They turn up for training. They're motivated. You have seven people who fall in and out of love with football. Um, one moment they're up for it, the next moment they need to be motivated. It can be one or the other. And then he said you have seven people who kind of fall out with love of football and the pressures that it brings, but they're good at it and it's a job and they get well paid. So therefore, you know, you have to manage. And he said, it's maybe not exact science, but that's the kind of things you've got to manage uh, as, a, as a manager of a football club. Is, is that an accurate sort of, you know, was that, was that accurate from Gary? Yeah, I think that, I always think that in, in life, it's life's all about relationships. And mm. especially and when you're a manager, you're trying to manage 
the relationship that you have with the uh, the employees. So from from a coaching perspective, I like to engage with with people, uh, whether they work in the kitchen or whether they work uh, on the field. Playing. Right. I try to maximize the best out of everyone. You know, I've always seen my my role someone is to support and help everyone and if i can yes. help someone's day be better if i can give them that little bit of hope going forward in their life uh to create the the conditions the ambitions for them to be the best that they can possibly be for their families and kids then i will always offer myself to to do that ultimately i know my job is to win games of football but for me mm. it's all about the relationships with people and mm. and, and giving hope and and because everyone wants to dream everyone loves to dream and 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 be the best that they can and if you can help the people achieve dreams then that's that's what i see our job as managers and coaches head coaches and you know and and in your position as well yeah that's absolutely right brendan you know we have a great lad who's a key kitchen porter william and william is is uh you know ride the work scheme he's he's obsessed with it uh and we have a good laugh about it mm. uh you know practically every day and we talk mm. talk about it. he's obviously got a love of cycling uh mm. and uh and there's, there's big al who's been with us a long time uh who's also a kp and he, he's a legend within uh, the club and what you find out is these amazing things about people if you bother your ass to go and find out and the, the chat with the the boys and girls because everybody's got a story and everybody's got a great story so chatting to al so william i know about his cycling and he's mm. obsessed getting this bike and it's a bit of fun as well but big al was telling me that uh, he worked for um an organization i think it was um inland revenue uh, i think and uh he 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 was responsible for payroll or certainly putting everything together it was maybe before automation so it was a while ago and he said he used to go into a pub or a post office uh, or wherever shopping center supermarket and people would say who worked with them al what's what's my employment number and he would tell them what their employment number was he had a photographic memory yeah, and right. i said i can't believe that's, that's incredible al mm. you know and, and I said you know i just don't want to stop working i love work he said but there's a little bit of a, a fact for you that and he went to school willie henry uh, the locker room uh, our famous mm-hmm. locker room attendant, uh, and uh, he, he, you know, he has this little thing about him, which you just think to yourself, "My God, that you know, that's such a great little statistic." So you're right, you know, uh, people are people and deserve to be treated with respect for sure, um, and and I agree with with your sentiments, Brendan, entirely. Um, so in terms of back back to golf, and thank you so much for because you're on holiday. So thank you for joining us, uh, and, and I know we'll all appreciate. We all do appreciate it, Brendan. Um, have you any favourite golf courses? So golf courses you've played don't have to be famous or whatever. Is there any golf courses you think? Yeah, that that, that that's for me. Um, yeah, I've played in some, obviously. Yeah, I love playing out here in Mallorca when when I come out to here, and it's not a you know it certainly won't be one of the best courses in the world out here and uh, around uh, this sort of area and, and Calvia. But I think the feeling of just being out here is is lovely when I play. Um, I think in 
clearly, listen, the local Roman is a, a genuinely is a really special place for me to, to go. Oh. I just love playing there. Um, yeah, and obviously I, I played in, in courses in Dubai uh, and uh, oh. played during the World Cup in, in Abu Dhabi. I played my first ever uh, game of golf at night. So that was interesting. It was absolutely right. fantastic. It was, yeah. I, I just, I always wondered because I've heard about night golf, and I thought, how, how can you, how can you get the same feeling, or the, how you not, there must be bits of the course that are dark that you can't quite see with. But anyway, no, this was amazing. This was in I played the night golf in Abu Dhabi. I played it with Kuntop, the owner, Lester, and uh, his pilot. And it was absolutely amazing. The whole course was lit up. And in a, in a lovely temperature at about eight o'clock at night, it was absolutely fantastic. So, um, so yeah, so I played in, in courses. I'm probably not at Bill as, as regular and, and as travelled as probably a lot of the people that might either listen or play. And it, only because of my work, I'm very limited of, to the time. But... Sure. I have to say, if I can choose anywhere in the world to play, I always say to people, right, let's go to Loch Lomond. And that's why you've right. seen me taking groups of people up from my clubs yeah. and, and, and friends, because I can't think of a better place to go, especially when you pull up at the 8th and you can put your order in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed, the Harry Potter yeah. room. That's um, right, Jack. I played, yeah. with, uh, played with Jamie, Jamie Redknapp, uh, a lovely court. I think is it Kingswood down uh, off the M25. Bainswood, that's the one. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I played. Uh, I played there with him once, and that was a that was a very nice course. I think that's where Dermot mm -hmm. and that plays. And mm -hmm. the day I was in there, Anton Deck was there, and uh, Big Darn Clark was was in there as well. So, um, and that was a lovely that, that, that was a lovely course. Jamie's a, an excellent player. So. Uh, yeah. So yeah, but um, but yeah, that, that would be my uh, where I'd be at, at this mm -hmm. moment in terms of courses. Yeah, H Harry, his dad's been here three times already this year, <laughs> so he must be he must be doing it. Uh, he uh, he loves his golf, Harry. He actually won. Uh, it was it was relatively funny, Brendan. Um, he, he, it was a charity event, Prince and Princess of Wales Trust. Mm -hmm. We have a long-term relationship with with them, and there's a member, Stephen McKechnie, who who uh, you know kind of fronts and helps to make that happen. And he's a good guy, Stevie. Um, but anyway, Harry was playing uh, in, in one of the teams, and they had a video of most of the teams playing golf. And of course, as soon as the video was on Harry. And a another, which looked like a, a friend of his. I mean, they chunked it about <laughs> on oh. video about five, about, about five yards, and everybody, both of them, and everybody's sort of looking at each other, going, "How did they get ninety-eight points?" <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, they think, throw, maybe they had the hand wedge. I think the hand wedge. <laughs> the hand yeah, wedge maybe think... come out a few times. <laughs> I have a feeling it probably did, Brandon. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Jimmy's a good lad as well. So, um, and I'm going, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you go very soon, Brandon. And, and thank you so much. But I'm just wondering, 
Um, I, I played golf with David Healy and George McCartney um, and uh, with, with, a, with a chap, Joel Taggart, who's a sports commentator yeah. for, for BBC Northern yeah, Ireland. Joel, yeah. And uh, I, I can, yeah, you know, Joel, he's a good lad. Um, so David, he's a good lad, George as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so David and George announce on the tee box that they've been undefeated for about five years um and you know and joel's competitive um i was not playing good golf (laughs) i just clearly remember that as i launched we lost i think on the 14th uh at the k club this is and and i launched my drive to sharon smurfett's back garden i can can clearly remember (laughs) and and joel was not joel was not impressed to say the least but going back so so david so david and george mccartney undefeated for five years not sure where it's at now i know that george works for david at linfield um did you ever have a duo in in fuss uh, a couple of or people that that always sort of got together as a team and were difficult to beat in golf um Probably, to be honest, Bill, I probably haven't played so much to to have had that experience. To be honest, I, I know of I know of guys like I know that when I was up there, John Kennedy and uh, and Stevie Woods uh, were were great. Yeah, Celtic. They were yeah, they, they were a good team when they when they played together. Um, yeah, I, I haven't really. There hasn't been one standout like that. I'd have to say that that really. I can look back on and go, Christ, they, they, they were really, really hard to beat. They're probably not played enough, to be honest. But um, yeah, but yeah, that that would I wouldn't really be able to uh, to, to say. Yeah. Clearly, haven't played as much as yourself, and uh, and obviously you're probably a bit better. <laughs> or maybe, or well, maybe hey, I just didn't really, maybe I just didn't want to lose the money, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I think that of course you mentioned Stephen Gerrard, and Steve Steve is a prodigious golfer and loves the game uh, of golf and is a, is a good golfer, so he would certainly be one. Brendan, um, I'm going to finish. There's there's a guy called Barry Coates, and Coates he's been a, a good pal for a long time, and he listens to the podcast, and he's just a good all round guy. And uh, he, he's a big, kind of big fan of yours, Brendan, uh, as well. So I said right at the end, right, okay, uh, Coatsy, Ireland has the, the has two opportunities to manage uh, north and south. Uh, is that something, Brendan, you think you'd ever be interested in? So I'm asking this for Barry. For Barry, yeah, I think international football has, has always been something that before my career ends, I would love to... I would love to do. I think that's when you're mapping out your career, you look at things that you would like to do. And managing Celtic was one of them, and I, I've done that. I had yep. you know amazing time. Um, and 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 likewise, I'd love to uh, I'd love to manage internationally. Um, you now, whether the opportunity comes to to manage Northern Ireland or or Ireland or the USA, whatever, I think it's just the. Hmm. Uh, it's sometimes about timing the international job. I think, you know, Michael mm. uh, has done mm. a, a great job with Northern Ireland previously, and has now gone back there, and I'm sure he'll want to build 
that up and, and go again. And, and obviously Stephen uh, has gone into to the job in, in the south, and uh-huh. uh, and it's just step by step there. He needs to build, and but he's um, but he he wants to play the game in the right way. So, but uh, but it's great to see them do well. And at some point, of course, I would. Uh, I would love to. I would never rule out any international country. That that's the reality of it. Because I think that um, the chance to work yeah. in different countries would be amazing. And uh, but I'm a Northern Ireland boy. I, I've uh, hmm. you know I've always a soft spot uh, for my for my home country, and um, and I love going back there. And and that might be the case one day, hopefully. Hmm. Yeah, Brendan would be. We'll all be delighted uh, to see that, of course, as well. And actually, just to completely finish off, um, I noticed that you played against Brazil as a as a youth player mm-hmm. for Northern Ireland. Um, was that an unbelievable experience, or or can can you remember it, or was it so far or long ago that it's it's gone from the memory banks? No, no, it was. Um... It's something that's still very, very vivid and very clear. I played my first game of football uh, at 13 years of age. Well, I was obviously brought up and coming off where there was no youth teams, there was no young teams. I went to St. Patrick's College in Ballymena, so we never played football yeah. there. Um, but through friends, I got playing at 13, and then very, and then within a year or so, I, I was fortunate enough to have made the, the Northern Ireland School Boy International team. And that allowed us wow. to play all the... The, the various different countries uh, hmm. and obviously Brazil coming to uh, coming to the UK they were they, they were because they were playing England Scotland Wales and Northern Ireland and I remember yeah at Windsor Park uh, that night it was uh, the build up to the whole game was was great and for a 14 year old boy to be playing and being involved in that game was hmm. um, was amazing I remember there was a big disappointment initially because I'd played in I played in the games up until the Brazil game. The um, I think in the previous game as well, I'd scored the winning goal. We beat Wales four uh, three. So I was really looking forward to, to to this game. I ended up starting on the bench and and came on in the game. But it, but it was still the the feeling was was amazing. I got the shirt, got the Brazil shirt afterwards, and uh, still have my little pin badges from the game. There, so I'm 50 now, and I've still got a real clear memory of that when it was when I was 14. Gosh, well, what a what an experience, Brendan, and what a career, and what a good guy you are. And I can assure you, Brendan is one of the best. Always, you never change. I have to say that you come to the club, you're always the same, Brendan. You know, you've got this sort of uh, um, just you just look as if you're enjoying yourself, and you know, and that's all you can ask for. Anybody that's managing any club, you know, that uh, members come and enjoy yourself. Charlotte as well. And please give my regards to her. Um, you know, that just, yeah, you just honestly, there's just a, a, a nice family, nice guy. And of course, giving up your time on holiday to come on this, well, says it all as far as I'm concerned as well, Brendan. So please enjoy the rest of your holiday. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I know everybody's going to really enjoy it. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure bill and uh i'm going to spend some time out here in mallorca and then uh i know one of the first things i'll do when i get back is to uh to get up to the uh the golf club and spend a couple of days so thank you very Good much man. really enjoyed it cheers bill cheers then thanks brendan thanks Matt.
Thank you very much to Brendan for his interview with View from a Lock. It was really enjoyable and very insightful. Every podcast that you listen to is sponsored by Loch Lomond Whiskies, and we really appreciate their support. And they provide a 12-year-old bottle of malt. In order for you to have an opportunity to win that bottle of malt, uh, if you please uh, enter this competition, we'd be entirely grateful. The question is, which was the Irish League team that Brendan first played for before he was transferred to Reading? So what was the Irish League football team that Brendan played for before he was transferred to Reading? You can send your answers to at BillDonald1, which is on Twitter, or my email address is bill.donald at loch, L-O-C-H, lomond, L-O-M-O-N-D, dot com. If you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, please fill out the questionnaire. We'd really appreciate your feedback or any feedback you have, please let us know. The numbers of listeners are growing every week and we really appreciate it because we enjoy doing the interviews and thank you for making it worthwhile.